0: Welcome to the sermon podcast of Southside Baptist Church, a body of Christ located in beautiful Norman Park, Georgia. We are so glad you chose to listen in today. It's our prayer you would find the message of Jesus Christ compelling and uplifting, and that your life would be changing continually from hearing the Word of God. If you would like more information about our church or would like more digital content, please feel free to check us out on the web at southsidenp.org. And now for today's message.
1: Through our services, uh, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we uh, come to you, God, thank you again for the day. Thank you for this opportunity once again to gather together. Lord, again, we pray that uh, you help us to, to hear what we need to hear this evening, Father, to see what we need to see uh, this evening, God, and to respond uh, accordingly. Uh, we praise you and love you, and it's in Jesus' name that we ask this. Amen. Amen. Page 136, let's stand as we sing. Are you washed in the blood? I think it, yeah, one and four. with me this evening back to the book of James, back to the book of James. The series has been the Practical Manual for Authentic Christian Living, the Practical Manual for Authentic Christian Living. James, again, is a very practical book. He's a practical author. He basically, uh, James has kind of got the... uh, (laughs) Uh, James is like the uh, transitional pastor. He comes in and he tells the church what they need, what they need to do, and then he leaves. So, so he gives it, uh, you know, puts them in their place. He, he tells them, listen, this is how we should live as followers of Jesus Christ. So the subject matter this evening is going to be this, corruption. Corruption that comes from the pursuit of... Of wealth, James chapter 5 verses 1 through 6 this evening. Chapter 5 verses 1 through 6, we found that there in the book of James, stand as we honor the reading of God's holy infallible word. James writes this, he says, come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and the silver have corroded and their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. You have laid up treasure in the last days. Verse four, behold, the wages of the laborers who mowed your fields, which you kept back by fraud, are crying out against you. And the cries of the harvester have reached the ears of the Lord of hosts. You have lived on the earth in luxury. And in self-indulgence, you have fattened your hearts in a day of slaughter. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. Father, we come to you again this evening, God, as we prepare our hearts to hear from you. Lord, we, uh, we have a tendency in life to... Uh, Seek after wealth and seek after possessions and the materialism of the world and all those things, God. Those things are nice. But, Lord, your word is clear that we are not to chase after those temporary things. We're not to chase after those things. We're not to build treasures here on earth, Lord. We're supposed to build our treasures and have our rewards in heaven. And so, Father, as we prepare our hearts this evening, God, I pray that each and every one of us understand the problems that come with pursuing wealth here on earth. Lord, we love you and praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. May we see you. There might not be a better judge of the heart of an individual than their view when it comes to money, when it comes to material possessions, when it comes to the things that you and I have. Take, for example, an individual's checkbook. If you were to look at their checkbook, you will notice real quickly what's important. You ask questions like, where do they spend their money? On what do they spend their money? Or what toys do they have? Toys in quotation marks. Those things, the stuff that we have, the stuff that all of us. Our uh, possessions and all those other things. Now, listen, I don't want you to hear me. Don't hear tonight what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that money is bad. Money is good. We need money. And money I mean, that, that, it's good. Nor am I saying that having material possessions is bad. I'm not saying either one of those things is bad. But what I am saying, what we do with those possessions and how we handle that money is what's important. And so the Bible itself doesn't condemn possessions. It doesn't condemn wealth. It doesn't condemn those things. We all have wealth in and of ourselves. We all are wealthy. We all have possessions. We all have things. In fact, Paul reminded Timothy, and here's the issue, the love of money, Paul said, is the root of all evil. And so how do we handle those possessions? How do we handle that money? Now, James continues to deal with the riches here in this passage. If you remember last week, we talked about verses 13 through 17. James rebuked those business leaders who would who said that, you know what, I'm going to go tomorrow and I'm going to take what I have and all the money that I have and I'm going to go to this place and I'm going to sell my goods and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that when all the... Of a sudden, they didn't have God's plans anywhere in their plans. God was absent from the plans of those business leaders. Well, James turns from these business leaders to these wealthy landowners. They had many riches and they had many possessions. And so the point this evening is this. James denounced the materialistic accumulation of wealth. Because this material accumulation of of wealth was causing these landowners to defraud their workers. And the lifestyles that led to mistreatment and even murder of other people. And so as us as Christians, we must avoid materialistic pursuits. And obviously the mistreatment of others. So we might not be materially wealthy. This evening, we might not have lots of things, lots of possessions, lots of stuff. However, what you and I do have. If we have it for the wrong reasons, if we have it and we we treat it with a a, a, a the, the improper attitude, then they can cause problems for us as well. So James gives us three attitudes this evening in our passage that we as Christians must avoid three attitudes. We'll look at those each individually. The first attitude is this, the attitude of materialism. Look at verses 1 through 3. He says, come now. He uses the same phrase in verse 13, if you look back up in 13, in the ESV translation. He says, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. Your riches have rotted and your garments are moth-eaten. Your gold and silver Their corrosion will be evidence against you and will eat your flesh like fire. Webster's Dictionary defines materialism as this. it's, it's It's a preoccupation with or a stress upon material rather than intellectual or spiritual things. So it's an attitude that puts material things above spiritual things it's an attitude that puts possessions above god and what do we call that class an idol it's an idol anything above god anything that we place above god our families our friends our our possessions our material things our money it's an idol so James here, he's calling out the rich. Again, these rich that he's talking about are these that, that were materially wealthy. They had lots of land and they had lots of possession. And again, hear me tonight. It does, If you have a lot of land, all right, if you have the proper attitude about that land, it's okay. Because God has blessed you with that land. If you have lots of possessions, that's okay. As long as you have the proper attitude about those possessions, because, again, God has blessed you with those possessions. Now, verse one, there could actually be a summation of James's teaching. He says, listen, come now, you rich you need to weep and you need to howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. He says you need to turn your joy into mourning. I mean, they had nothing to be worried about. They had nothing to, 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 to weep about. They had nothing to howl about. They had everything that they needed. They had all the wealth that they needed so they could buy whatever they wanted. They had all the land that they needed so they could plant crops and do all these other things. They had all the wealth and all the possessions that they had. So they were joyful. They were living it up. They were living the good life, as you might say. But James says, listen, you need to turn your joy into mourning. He says, you need to weep. That means to lament. And he goes on to say, he makes it even stronger. Then he says, and you need to howl. That means to shriek. It means to scream. It's a loud outcry. The word picture here is a, a loud, intense outburst of despair, violent, uncontrollable grief. Well, why? Well, James answers that question. He says, the uh, the miseries that are coming upon you. Well, what were those miseries? James is basically saying, "Listen, you need to weep and you need to howl, you need to lament, you need to have an outburst of despair and violent, uncontrollable grief because of the judgment that is coming upon you. The miseries there, it's the, the hardships, the troubles, the calamities." This word here only appears here and in Romans chapter 3, verse 16. But it speaks of, that stand, uh, of standing before God. James is, is kind of looking towards the future. He's saying, listen, you need to uh, be careful about your attitude. You need to watch yourselves because you're going to stand before God one of these days. And you're going to answer for your attitude about your materialism. At the judgment, you'll be brought misery instead of joy. The rich may live a lifetime of pleasure. But eventually, they, like we, will stand and face the judgment. And if they don't face the judgment on this earth, they will certainly face the miseries associated with eternity. Those who who have an attitude that... that, that That says, you know what, I love my possessions and I love my wealth more than I love God. They may live lives of of just joy and lives that that are plush and lives that you and I are envious of. But what we need to understand. They are going to face the same judgment that you and I face. And when I stand before God. God. And I don't have to answer the question, Michael, what did you do with your material possessions? What did you do with the money that I blessed you with? And I can tell God, Lord, I tried to do my best. I tried to give it to to the church. I tried to give it to your good deeds. But when that individual that has all that wealth and has all that possessions and had a wrong attitude about those possessions stands before God... They're going to face a judgment. They're going to face the miseries of God. And I would certainly rather face the miseries and hardships here on earth than I would when I stand before God. Think about those who don't accept Christ as personal Lord and Savior. It's the same thing. You're going to face judgment one day. You're going to stand before God. And if you can't answer the question, why should I let you into my heaven? With this answer, because I accepted you as my personal Lord and Savior, and I live my life for you. Then he's going to say, like I said this morning, depart from me, for I never knew you. But God, I'm rich. Look at all the things I did with my money. Look at all the possessions that I had. All that's not going to matter. We stand before God notice the signs of wealth here James in verse 2 he says your riches this represents all the the external possessions basically the context here if you when you study this passage the context here is the foodstuffs all the material things all the all the crops and all those other things that these wealthy individuals would have had as they had all this land because James goes on and he says your riches will rot." All that food stuff, it's going to rot. Garments, he goes on and he says, your garments are moth-eaten garments there. It represents a cloak. It represents the tunic, the outer garments. When you think about the first century, those outer garments, those tunics, they were vital. They were important. And so James says all those things and most times when you when you saw the wealthy they were walking around in those in those embroidered uh robes and all those things and with jewels. Think about Joseph's coat, the coat of many colors. It would have looked something similar to that. But James says all your garments, all that beauty and all those all those embellishments will just be moth eaten. It reminds me of of uh my grandmother and when she passed away and we went through her closets she had clothes after clothes after clothes after clothes that still had the tags on them and listen my my, my grandmother was she's she, that's why I'm where I'm at today was because of her but I reminded and I thought back about that and I, as I was Studying this passage, I thought, man, that's that's what God is talking about here. That's what he's talking about, accumulating those things that that are and, and, and you leave still leave the tags on. Them. Well, if you're just going to leave the tags on, them, you're not going to wear them. Then what good is it to purchase them? He says your garments are going to be moth eaten. Said your gold. Verse three, your gold and silver have corroded. The gold and silver that represents those things made of gold and silver. The gold and silver ornaments. All the vessels that would have been uh, characteristic of the rich. They would be corroded. That means to thoroughly or completely rust or corrode. Do you see the picture here James is painting? The riches would be Useless. There'd be no value to your riches. James is saying, and you you, you you, do all these things and you collect all these things and your attitude is not to take your riches and give to the poor. Your attitude is not to take your garments and, and go around the streets and to clothe those who don't have anything to keep them warm at night. Your attitude is not to take your gold and silver and all those things and all those possessions that you have and maybe take them to the local church or or take them to somebody that can need that needs these things or maybe even melt these down and maybe give them to somebody that's less fortunate than you. No, your riches they've all rotted. You've got so many they they just rot. You know, they, they rot. Your garments you've got so many they're just moth-eaten. They hang in the closet and the and the moths eat them. Your gold and silver, it corrodes. It speaks to that precious and valuable possessions. James goes on and he says that corrosion will be evidence to the prosecution when he uses it against you in judgment. In other words, you're not going to have anywhere to hide. When God asks you, what do you do with your possessions? What did you do with the money that I have blessed you with? What did you do with the garments that I blessed you with? What did you do with the gold and the silver that I blessed you with? The evidence will be those moth-eaten garments. The evidence will be those rotted riches. The evidence will be... That corroded gold and silver. James says, this is a really strange uh, portion of this passage. He says, we'll eat your flesh up like fire. This is the very picture of hell. It's the picture of hell. The place of continual bodily and eternal torment. One of the commentators That I studied in this passage. He said this is uh, the material possessions. Of those with an attitude. That values their possessions over God. Those very possessions are going to be the very things that fan the flames of hell. (laughs) That's a that's a devastating picture. Those moth-eaten garments. You know what happens when you throw something into a fire? It just explodes. That gold and that silver, all those things that you have, it's like taking them outside and, and building the fire and just tossing them in the fire. But it's going to fan the flames of hell. He ends that and he says, You have laid up treasures in the last days. The last days are the days that you and I live in now. It's the days between Christ's first coming and his second coming. Jesus hasn't come back yet. He's He will and he, he's on his way, but he hasn't come back yet. So the time from Christ's coming, first coming, to the time of his second coming are the last days. You and I are living in the last days. And James says, listen, you are storing up treasures in the last days. You're storing up those riches and those material blessings and all those other things here on earth. And they're not going to do you any good. When all those things that I've blessed you with, man, you could take those and you could give to the poor and you could do these all these things. But yet yeah, you hang on to them and you build them up here on the last days. Spending time building up these treasures. And I've heard it said, and this is true, and I have been to many, 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 many funerals. I have never seen behind a hearse a trailer full of the possessions of the individual that has died. I've never seen it. If you've seen it, please let me know after service. But I have never seen it. And so we spend, James is basically saying, you spend all this Laying up all these treasures. Here in these last days. And they're rotten. They're moth eaten. And they corrode. In other words. They're useless. They're useless. With an improper attitude. With an attitude of. Materialism. Jesus told this parable in Luke chapter 12, verse 16 through 20, 21. The land of the rich man produced plentiful. And he thought to himself, What shall I do? For I have nowhere to store my crops. And he said, I know what I will do. I will tear down my barns and build larger ones. And there I will store all my grain and my goods. And I will say to my soul, Soul, you have ample goods laid up for many years. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool. You fool. This night, he said, Your soul is required of you. And the things you have prepared, Whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich toward God. That is a picture of this materialism that James is talking about, that attitude of materialism. Proverbs 11:28, "Whoever trusts in his riches will fail or will fall, but the riches will flourish, but the righteous will flourish like a green leaf." So God. Has abundantly blessed each and every one of us. He's abundantly blessed us, all of us. Wealth is to be enjoyed, but not at the expense of those in need, or not at the expense of the advancement of the gospel message. I mean, why do we give to Lottie Moon? Why do we? Why do we give to Annie Armstrong? Why do we do those kind of things? Is because we're trying to be a part of that advancement of that gospel message. Why do we give to the, to the church? Why do we give to the ministries of the church? Because the church should be about the mission of God. And what is the mission of God? Spreading the gospel message to a lost and dying world. And those who do have that improper attitude, those that do have that attitude of materialism will be judged accordingly. So I hope and pray that each and every one of us Don't have that kind of attitude. Attitude number two. James talks about is this. The attitude of unjust gain. Verse four. From James. He says. That's look here. That's an attention getting statement from James. He says the wages of the laborers. Who mowed your fields. Which you kept back by fraud. They're crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters. Have reached the ears of the Lord of The day laborers in the first century they were essential to a properly functioning agrarian or an agricultural society. They plowed the fields, they sowed the crops, they harvested the crops, they worked on the farmlands. These were the individuals that would go out during the day and they would work all day. And the issue was, back in ancient times, back in the first century, these workers would be paid on a daily basis. It wasn't like you and I. When we had our job, we might get paid weekly, or we may get paid bi-weekly, or some of us get paid monthly. These day laborers, that's why they were called day laborers, they would go out and they would work during the day. And at the end of the day, the landowner or whatever was supposed to pay them their wages, whatever they had agreed upon. When the work was over for that day. Leviticus chapter 19 verse 13. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired servant shall not remain with you all night until the morning. Deuteronomy 24, 14 through 15. This is when Moses talked about the the miscellaneous laws. He says you shall not oppress the hired servant who is poor and needy. Whether he is one of your brothers or one of your sojourners who are in the land within your towns? You shall give him his wages on the same day before the sun sets, for he is poor and counts on it, lest he uh, cry out against the Lord and you be guilty of sin. Matthew 20, not 1 through 19, he speaks of, of the master who went out throughout the day hiring laborers. You remember the story. He goes where the day, the, the, day, the day laborers gather and he says, Hey, you know, I, want, I need some workers. And so he picks them up and he takes them. And he goes all throughout the day gathering those day laborers. Then at the end of the day, he gives them what they had agreed upon. Now, there's more, more to that story. Some of the ones that were there in the beginning were complaining about that. But the point is, is he was paying them uh, biblically. He was paying them the way they were supposed to be paid. And the thing is, they needed that. The poor needed that. They counted on that day's wage. And so what was happening, these wealthy landowners, they were, they were holding back that money. These individuals would go out and they would mow their fields and they would work all day long. But they would keep back the money. They wouldn't pay them. They wouldn't pay them what they deserved. The Bible says they were keeping back by fraud. And so what they were doing is they were keeping that money back and they were gaining money off of that money. They were using that money to do something else with it. Maybe they were using that money to, to, to purchase this or purchase that. But they were using the money. They were frauding the individual that deserved the money because of their work. But yet they were getting more and more wealthy from that money that they were defrauding from. Those poor, and the ones that needed it, and the ones that counted on it. They were holding back those wages. When you think about that individual, that day labor, he wasn't wealthy. He didn't own a lot of land. And he probably had a family back at the house that was waiting on him to come back. And as he come back with those mo- that money, he stopped by the market. And he picked up what his family would need. Maybe he picked up a loaf of bread. I don't know what he picked up. But he picked up food for his family to take back to his family to feed his family. But when, the, when he didn't get what he deserved and he didn't get what he needed. The Bible says that, that the wages and the, were crying out against you. And the cries of the harvesters have reached the ears of the Lord. He cried out to God. He didn't get what he needed. He couldn't take it home. He couldn't feed his family. Crying out there, it speaks of to scream or to shout. There's so many applications to that particular passage, but one of those is that God hears our cries. God hears the cries of his people. You know, sometimes I wonder why in the world, oftentimes when we... When we get defrauded, even as followers of Jesus Christ, when we get defrauded and we do get all these things happen to us, what do we want to do? We want to take to the riot. We want to take to the picket lines. We want to do all these other things. When first and foremost, we ought to be on our hands and knees and we ought to be crying out to the Almighty God and let God take care of it. Let God take care of it. Because God is faithful to the righteous. God will care for the righteous. He hears the cries of the righteous. But God not only hears, but he responds to those cries. The Lord of hosts there, when James uses that term, it's actually the Lord of armies. In other words, it's the commander of the heavenly armies. When we cry out to God, God... The Lord Christ is the commander of heavenly angels. It's wanted to, when we cry out to him, Jesus can send an army of his angels down to this earth and take care of those worthless uh, individuals. Take care of those rich people and take care of them and do what God wanted to do. I mean, The Lord of hosts, he can send down that heavenly armies. But what do we like to do? We like to cry out to the government. What's the government going to do for us? We like to cry out to the court system. We like to cry out to the local church. Even the local church... We like to cry out to family and friends when in reality, when we ought to be crying out to the Lord. Now, all those things are good. The government is good. The government, the court system, all those things. The church is good. Our family and friends. I'm not saying that we don't need to go to those folks for assistance. That's not what I'm saying. Don't hear me say that. But our first priority and our first place to turn should be the Lord. And we should be crying out to God. And when we cry out to God, you know what God does? He says he intervenes with government. He intervenes with the local church. He intervenes with family and friends. He brings family and friends into your life that will help you and and all those other things. He intervenes with the court systems. But we've got to cry out to God. Their help would come from the Lord. Psalm 34, 17, when the righteous... Cries for help. When the righteous cries for help, the Lord hears, but He doesn't just hear. And the Lord delivers them out of all their troubles. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Sometimes I think that we want to want to think that it says that He'll deliver us out of all of our troubles have troubles still have troubles what it means is that when we do have troubles God will deliver us out of those troubles if we just cry out to him that's what it means it doesn't mean that man okay yeah okay God you've delivered me out of the troubles I'm good we're good let's go no that's not what that means this is an Idaho real estate agent stands accused of running an $82 million Ponzi scheme that preyed on devout Christian families, promising returns from Arizona property as high as 25%. Bradley Heinrich was his name. He, he works at Anthology, a, a, a Boise real estate firm. He was accused, along with his business partner Stephen Hatch, of creating more than 30 business entities while managing 17 sets of books Uh, to buy 13 properties between January 2005 and December of 2014, according to a newspaper report. Prosecutors said they ran a racketeering enterprise involving the sale of real estate and promised double-digit returns to more than 110 investors. The indictment accused Heinrich of over-leveraging properties without telling investors, using investor funds to pay off uh, other investor loans, transferring investor money without... uh, uh, authorizing misleading investors about the value of their inv- investments and using religious affinity to secure loans and distract or dispel investor concern the losses of the the losses were in the hundreds of thousands of dollars due to a fraudulent dealing and unjust gains of heinrich and his associates unjust gains That's an individual that's suffering the consequences for what he's done in gathering those unjust gains. Proverbs 20.10 says this, Unequal weights and unequal measures are both alike an abomination to the Lord. Severe judgment awaits those with an attitude bent on unjust gains. The Lord will not be silent. He's not going to be silent when the victims of those that have been unjustly uh, take, uh, unjustly, the, the, the unjust have, have been done to God's not going to stand by and not, not not take care of that He's not going to hear the cries for justice Therefore those who have been victimized by those that want are out for unjust gains and others we should not, shouldn't seek vengeance It's not our place to seek vengeance We've got to leave vengeance to the Lord So we need to cry out to God so there's that attitude of materialism. There's that attitude of unjust gains. That j- the attitude of ruth deceiving. If there's one final attitude, the attitude of ruthlessness. The attitude of ruthlessness. Look at verse five and six. You have lived on the earth in luxury. And in self indulgence. You have fattened your hearts, in a day of slaughter. Verse 6 is is very, very uh, pointed here from James. You have condemned and murdered the righteous person. He does not resist you. There's certainly a lot of ruthless people in our world. Would you agree? Ruthless there, as James, uh, we're talking about. We're talking about ruthless people. Those who are merciless, those who are cruel In verse 5, those ruthless people, they were motivated by the lives that they were living. The Bible says they were living on earth in luxury. As I was reading and I was studying that passage, I thought to myself, yeah, they were living lives on earth in luxury, but they'll be living lives in hell in misery. So which would you choose? But James says they were living lives of luxury. They were motivated by the luxurious lifestyles. They were living lives that were soft, if you will. They lived in the lap of luxury. These were the people that shopped at the, in Beverly Hills. These were the people that shopped in Rodeo Drive. Listen, if you've ever been to Beverly Hills and you shopped there and you have and you lit, shopped in Rodeo Drive, I'm not condemning you. But I guarantee you didn't shop there long. These are the people that stayed at the Waldorf Astoria. These are the people that had the best of the best. They were living lives of luxury. You ever seen that show Cribs on TV? And that's that's what we're talking about here. You know, those million-dollar mansions. They were living these soft lives. They were living in the lap of luxury. Not only that, they were living lives of self indulgence. This was a life of wanton pleasure. If they wanted it, they got it. If they wanted it, they went out and bought it, whether they needed it or not. Their lives had no checks and balances. This was that voluptuous lifestyle. They were given to all kinds of pleasures. Luke chapter 15, of the, those pleasures were... Remember the story of in chapter uh, Luke chapter 15 of the prodigal son? Luke chapter 15, verse 13 says this. This is the kind of lifestyle that these were living. Not many days later, the younger son gathered all he had, and he took a journey into the far country. The far country represents he, he went away from God. That's what that represents. And there... The Bible says he squandered his property, here it is, in reckless living. This is reckless living. This is living in the, the lap of luxury. This is this is that self indulgent type of living that James is referring to here. And that's what these folks were doing. These wealthy landowners, that's what they were doing. He then goes on to say, You've you've fattened your hearts. Their hearts were full of this luxurious and self-indulgent lifestyle. They were so full that it was overflowing. All this luxury and all this uh, self-indulgent lifestyle. Imagine they were walking around in, their, in their, uh, uh, their $100 cloaks and their $100 tunics with all the embroidered uh, material on them and all the jewels and all those other things. Flaunting all that stuff. Their hearts were full of pleasures that afforded the wealthy. But James says your hearts were fattened for the day of slaughter. The day of slaughter, again, represents judgment. Represents judgment. That same cloak would be used to fan the fires of hell. That same jewel that's on that cloak, when that cloak was used to fan the fires of hell, that same jewel is going to melt in those flames. Their gold and silver is going to melt in those flames. All that they gathered in this luxurious and self-indulgent lifestyle is going to melt in those flames. Think about those of you that have raised cattle to sell. You fatten those cattle up and then you prepare them for the slaughter, right? Well, that's what we're doing here too. They were fattening themselves up with their luxurious lifestyles, with their self-indulgent lifestyles, preparing themselves for the judgment, preparing themselves for the slaughter. This type of luxury, this type of self-indulgent lifestyle is not a characteristic of a follower of Jesus Christ. That's the point. That James is trying to make. This is not a characteristic of you and I. It's okay to be in luxury. It's okay to have those things. Those things. Indulgent about those things. We don't need to be fattening our hearts on those things. In verse 6. It's not a surprise. Where this type of lifestyle might lead. And James makes it very clear. When motivated by materialism. When motivated by that unjust gain, it often leads to a ruthless and cutthroat ending, and that leads to harm of others. Condemned, there, it means it's a legal term used in Scripture. It means to pass sentence upon, to pronounce guilty. The wealthy were using the court system. And no doubt bribing those in the court system to render verdicts upon the poor. So they would take the, the poor individual, which really is, is is kind of strange for me. I was, what, what are they trying to get out of it? What are they going to get out of this? What, what's their what's their end game? Well, James goes on to say, and you murder. Some of those unjust and some of those 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 verdicts upon the poor they were sending them to be murdered. They were putting the poor to death for no apparent reason. The wealthy were taking the poor. The court the courts were condemning the poor and they were sentencing sentencing, sentencing the poor to be put to death. Notice here what the Bible says about the characteristics of the condemned and murdered people. It says you have condemned and murdered the what? The righteous person. Does that mean they're perfect? Does that mean they're sinless? No, that's not what that means. But they were righteous. Well, righteous in whose eye? They were righteous in God's eyes. They were righteous people. These were upright. These were uh, virtuous people. Those who kept the commands of God. They were morally upright. And yet these wealthy individuals, those who were focused on materialism, those who were out for unjust gains, these ruthless people were condemning them and murdering them. the context here really is is these are one of god's forgiven people these were christians these righteous people were the true christians whether they had money or they didn't have any money whether they lived lives that were luxurious or, or not these were god's people these were christians these were one who who were ones who were innocent these were ones who didn't deserve the death penalty These are also ones, the Bible says, that did not resist. They didn't seek vengeance. In fact, they probably didn't have the resources to seek any vengeance. They probably didn't have the resources to take these wealthy landowners to court. The cool context of this is that he's not going to respond To those false accusations, regardless of the consequences. Maybe James had Jesus in mind when he was writing this. Jesus didn't respond to those false accusations, he willingly went to the cross. maybe the righteous one that James is writing about maybe the innocent innocent one that James is referring to here maybe there's a there's a, a another context that we could look at i mean it doesn't say that maybe it's jesus acts 3:14 peter says but you denied the holy one and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you jesus didn't resist his accusers Jesus didn't resist the executioners. So maybe, I don't know, maybe. Matthew 5, 39-42 says, But I say to you, do not resist the one who is evil. But if anyone slaps you on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if anyone would would uh, sue you and take your tunic, let him have your cloak as well. And if anyone forces you to go one mile, go with him too. Give to the one who begs from you and do not refuse the one who would borrow from you. Amos chapter 5 verse 12. For I know how many are your transgressions and how great are your sins, you who afflict the righteous, who take a bribe and turn aside the needy at the gate. We must always make sure and make certain that we acquire And we use the blessings God has given us to bless others and not condemn them. When we face condemnation, on the flip side of that, from this secular world around us, we must seek the face of God. We've got to go to God first and we've got to avoid seeking any type of vengeance upon those who condemn the righteous. So as we close this evening... If our lives are characterized by the attitude of materialism, if your life is characterized by an attitude of unjust gains, or if your life is characterized by an attitude of ruthlessness, there's a good chance you may not be a Christian. Again, the Bible is clear there. If that is your lifestyle, if that is the way you live your life, is that if that is your attitude, you may not be a true Christian. So here are several questions we need to ask ourselves this evening. How are we using our resources that God has blessed us with? Number 2. Are we exploiting those who are less fortunate? Number 3. Where are we storing up our treasures? On earth or in heaven? Number four. Is our money an idol? Are our resources an idol? Is our time an idol? Is our family an idol? Is our possessions, are our possessions idols? Are our pastimes idols? Number five. What does your heart long for? Does your heart long for goods and possessions? Or does your heart long for God? Let's pray. Father God, we... uh, James is very direct. God, and it encourages each and every one of us to take a deep look at our lives personally. To take a deep look at what we spend our money on, to take a deep look at what we spend, uh, how we spend our time and how we spend our talents, and and all, how we, how what we do with our possessions, and all those other things, it, it helps us to take a deep look at our lives, our personal lives. Lord, to see really where we are, uh, in, in, in reference to what James is writing about here in this passage. Do we have an attitude of materialism? Do we have an attitude of unjust gains? Do we get the things that we have? Have we gotten those unjustly? Have we gotten those uh, in, in unfaithful ways? Do we have an attitude of ruthlessness? Is it one of those things that we don't care who we step on to get to the top? Father, I don't know. I don't know where we are. I saw an individual decision for the individuals located in this room this evening, Father. But I pray that as we go our separate ways this evening, Lord, that we all take inventory of our lives. We take inventory of our possessions. We take inventory of our money. We take inventory of what we do with all those things that you have blessed us with. And Lord, if we need to repent, repent. Just cry out to you, and you'll forgive us. You'll get us back on track. Maybe God, maybe that we just have that attitude, and that's just an attitude we have, and maybe we're just not truly a follower of Jesus Christ. And if that's the case, then we need to get that square, that squared away first before we can have the proper attitude. So, Lord, again, as we as we close, we're not going to have a dedicated invitation this evening Father but I know that if anybody needs to make a decision Lord they can make that decision anytime and Father we just want to thank you I want to thank you for this day I want to thank you for my blessings and my possessions and my all my material goods Lord and all those other things but I want to make sure that I'm using those to bring honor and glory to you and to build your kingdom So am I focused more on my goods or on God? That's the question we all need to answer this evening. Father, we love you and we praise you. And we thank you for this glorious day that you've given us. It's in Jesus' name that we ask all these things. Amen. Thank you. You are dismissed
0: thanks again for listening today we hope the word preached today would be used by god mightily as you go about your week again if you would like more information about our church or would like more digital content please feel free to check us out on the web at southsidenp.org have a blessed day and may god grant you grace this week to grow more into the likeness of jesus